0: Let's take our Bibles this morning, take our Bibles and go to the book of Jonah, all right? Jonah chapter 2 is where we will be, Jonah chapter 2 as we're studying through this little book of the Bible on Sunday mornings, and we'll finish up chapter 2 this morning, but as you're finding your place there, just want to remind us once again that when people think of the book of Jonah, they automatically think of Jonah and the what? Well, absolutely. Everybody thinks of Jonah and the whale, but this book is more than just that story. As amazing as it is, as true as that event is, this book is more than just a man and a whale. There's much more to it, much more to learn from this little book of the Bible. Yes, we will learn much about Jonah. We'll learn much about Nineveh and other other things in this book. But really the greatest thing to learn about this book, as well as all of Scripture, by the way... But the greatest thing to learn in this little book of the Bible is the greatness of our God. And we will learn about His great care and mercy, His great kindness, His great power and love, His great forgiveness and compassion, His great wisdom and foresight, His great second chances that He gives. So much to learn about the Lord from this little book of the Bible. So please know this, all right? Maybe you want to put this little phrase at the heading of Jonah there, but know this about the book of Jonah. Jonah is more about Jehovah and his ways than it is about Jonah and Noel, all right? So please know that as you come to the book of Jonah. Now, as we come to chapter number 2, we we have seen so far that we know that uh, Jonah has been given a command from the Lord, and that was to do what, church? That was to go he was to go to Nineveh and preach to that city preach to that city of the coming judgment warn them of the coming judgment but for one reason or another we know that Jonah disobeyed God's clear command for his life he chose not to obey the will of God for his life he became a rebel However, in the midst of his rebellion, we also have seen that the Lord began to deal with him more fully. The Lord began to do what? He began to chastise him, to correct him. And we know that when the Lord chastises us, it's always going to be because he loves us, not because he hates us, wants to punish us, but because he loves us. And always, he always chastises us or corrects us, always for this too, for a purpose. For a purpose. And though it took some doing in correcting and chastising the stubborn servant of Jonah, we finally saw last Sunday, we finally saw that Jonah finally turned to the Lord and prayed. The Bible says he cried unto the Lord finally. This did take some doing, but he finally began to pray. We saw last Sunday the cry of a stubborn servant. And in his cry, we saw the timing of it, meaning when he finally did turn, when he finally did cry, when he finally did pray. And it was at this moment when he was afflicted. Even Jonah said, I cried by reason of mine affliction. Listen, affliction will get your attention. (laughs) Affliction will get your attention. It took a little more for Jonah, but God finally got it. So we saw the timing of it. Then we saw the tenderness of this cry. And I'm not talking about the tenderness of Jonah, or really, or even the sincerity of his prayer. No doubt he was sincere in it. But that's not what we're talking about when we're thinking of the tenderness of Jonah's cry. Rather, we're talking about, really, the tenderness of God. We're talking about the kindness of our great God to hear the prayer of this rebellious, stubborn servant. You see, it's because of the mercy and grace of our great God that this allows us the opportunity in the first place to turn to him and to cry out to him and to pray in the first place because of his kindness and grace and mercy to us. Listen, we don't deserve any of that. We don't deserve his mercy or his grace, especially if we are rebelling and we know we are being a willing rebel against God. But yet in his mercy, his grace, and in his goodness, he still, God still patiently waits for us. He waits for the prodigal to come home. And it's actually that realization of his goodness that leads us to repentance in the first place. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? It's really amazing to me how God would be so kind and generous and good to us, even though we don't deserve it. It's absolutely amazing every time I think about it. In church, I want to encourage you, never get over that. Never get over that. But as we consider the cry of the servant, there's something else that uh, I would like for us to see. We didn't get to it last time, and I want to finish it today. I tried to get over this point, move from this point, and start the next message, but I just couldn't. So you'll just have to bear with me on this, all right? But I want to see this uh, this this uh, morning. I want to see, in Jonah's cry, I want to see the testimony of it. I want to see the testimony of Jonah's crying. I don't want to park here for a little time, all right? And we'll find our reading and find this testimony in Jonah chapter number two. And just so you know, Jonah two is absolutely loaded. I used to, when I would read through Jonah, I would uh, rush through these 10 verses. I would rush through chapter, chapter two of Jonah because I thought it was the other chapters that had more um, application for me. I thought it was the other chapters that were more exciting. I mean, the, the first chapter, he had a great storm, you know, and then it led into him being swallowed by a well. But then all the chapter two, he's just in the well, you know. Big deal, yada, yada, that's kind of cool. But then chapter three, he gets vomited out. The, get, the, the well gets so sick of him and throws him up on the beach. I mean, that's pretty cool. And he goes on preaching. The whole city gets right with God. I mean, that's exciting, right? So I would rush through all chapter number two to get to these other chapters. But as I was reading through chapter two again... I want you to know there is, there's a lot of spiritual goodness in chapter 2, especially as we consider that Jonah, from verses 3 down through verse 9, is really given a testimony of what God did in his life. And I want you to know from the very get-go that testimonies are a very powerful tool that God can use. And really, outside of the Scriptures themselves, is a very powerful tool. One of the most, if not the most, outside, of course, of Scripture. powerful tool that God can use. To reach someone else with the gospel, or to reach a believer who is who is running from God, that testimony—how you as a believer came back to God—that testimony could warn another one or help rescue another prodigal. Testimonies are powerful, I'm telling you. But we see here in Jonah chapter two just that Jonah's testimony. Let's look at it together. Jonah chapter two, and we'll just start in verse number one. It's only ten verses here, so let's look at it together. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves have passed over me Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, unto thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee. With a the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Our fathers, we come to the word of God in this portion of the service. I pray you to help us to understand it, apply it to our life. As the psalmist said, Open thou mine eyes, may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray that you would please speak to our hearts from the precious Word of God this morning. May the Holy Spirit do a great work. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we look at Jonah chapter 2, I hope you noticed it already. That Jonah is giving his testimony because in this chapter you see Jonah giving several personal pronouns. I believe it's no less than at least 25 personal pronouns in just 10 verses. That tells me that Jonah is telling a story, but it's not just any story. You see, it's his story. It's his testimony of him really getting right with God. And so the title of this morning's message is this, The Testimony of a Prodigal Prophet, all right? The Testimony of a Prodigal Prophet. The first thing I'd like for us to see about this testimony is this, as he's giving it, is this. Number one, God's response to him. Now, what I mean by that is this, how God was dealing with this prodigal prophet while Jonah is running from the Lord. Look at verse number three. For thou hast cast me into the deep. In the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on this point, seeing we really have looked at how God has been correcting Jonah ever since he fled from the presence of the Lord in chapter number, chapter number one. Uh, so I don't spend much time here. But, but we also need to understand that God's still correcting this prophet, chastising him. But he's given a, his testimony about it. And in giving a testimony about it, Jonah could not get away at how God worked in his life. He couldn't get away at how God got his attention. That was part of his testimony. And when he came back to God, God working in his life. He said in verse number three, for thou hast cast me. He knew who did it. He knew who did it. Uh, Yeah, it could have been, we say that the, the, the sailors in chapter one, they're the ones that threw you in but he understood who it really was working in his life. And then in verse 3 again, he says, Thy billows, thy waves passed over me. He knew who it was that was working in his life, working on him. He knew who it was that was correcting him. He knew it was the creator of those very waves and very billows, uh, the very storm. He knew it was the creator God, the Lord himself, that was working in his life. And as he's giving his testimony, he wants that truth to be known. Truth be known that it's God that was working and working things out for His, God's good pleasure. And I remind of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 that says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Thank God, listen, thank God He still works in our lives, still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? As the kids' song goes, and we need to sing it. Anybody want to? No? Okay. But you know the song. We're not what we ought to be. So God continues to work. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Listen, what he does through correction and different things in our lives is he knocks off those rough edges and begins to make a masterpiece out of you. And you know he wants to see in you? He doesn't want to see just some good person. Just some good Christian. No, no, no. He wants to see his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in you. hope of glory that's what he wants to see so take note how God's response to him he's working in his life and in his testimony Jonah knows that but number two here's where we want to get to number two not only see God's response number two we see Jonah's remembrance look at verse number four then I said I'm cast out of thy sight yet I will look again toward thy holy temple The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. Verse number six. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was against me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee in thine holy temple. Understand at this moment, this was a crazy time for Jonah. For in these verses, he's describing his time in the belly of a great fish, in the belly of the whale. He's describing how the waters had surrounded him on every side. No doubt the sea waters inside that gullet of that whale were surrounding him, as well as the gastric juices were, were also surrounding, surrounding him. But he was surrounded by water on every side. He says he was in the depth, the deep that was closing all around uh, about him. I could imagine as the whale would dive deeper and deeper into the ocean that the pressure of that water would intensify with, with each foot that whale would dive. I had to do a little research on this. But one scientist said at sea level... The air that surrounds us presses down on our bodies at 14.7 pounds per square inch. You don't feel it because the fluids in your body are pushing outward with the same force. But if you've dived down into the ocean, even a few feet, a noticeable change occurs. You can feel an increase of pressure on your eardrums, and this is due to an increase in hydrostatic pressure. And the deeper you go under the sea, the greater the pressure the water pushing down on you becomes. For every 33 feet you go down, the pressure increases by one atmosphere. The best I could tell, one atmosphere is 14 pounds per square inch. So you go down 33 feet from where you're at now, or at least at sea level, 33 feet down, it's double the pressure. Many animals that live in the sea have no trouble at all with the high pressure of the water. Whales, for instance, can withstand dramatic pressure changes because their bodies are more flexible. Their ribs are bound by loose, bendable cartilage, which allows the rib cage to collapse at pressures that would easily snap the human bone. And by the way, as I read that, I had to pause and read verse number 6 again. And could the ribs be the bars that Jonah testifies of in verse 6, that the, as the whale would dive deeper into the depths, that his ribs would begin to collapse more and more around Jonah? Could it be? Sure, it could be, Potentially that he's describing in verse number 6. It's very interesting. But the article went on to say, a whale's lung can also collapse safely under pressure, which keeps them from rupturing. And this allows whales to hunt for giant squid at depths of over 7,000 feet or even even further. So the depths that John is facing, no doubt, at this moment was pressing all around him, especially as the whale, as the Bible says in verse number 6, the whale went down to the bottoms of the mountains. I'm not sure how far it was there. I've read some things. It could have been as, as far as three miles down. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say it went three miles down, all right? But that's a long way. No doubt the pressure would be just pressing down upon that fish, which would be pressing upon Jonah himself. Listen, this was in an intense time. It's like camping. It's intense, all right? But... That is a terrible joke. I am so sorry. My mind just wanders sometimes and is, I'm sorry, all right. This was an intense time for Jonah, all right? A very scary time, no doubt. Painful time, horrible time for Jonah. In this moment, it was so bad. Here's what Jonah said. He said, my soul fainted within me. That word fainted, it means to collapse within oneself. Be like the ribs of that whale collapsing around him, all right? Collapsing. So his soul fainted within him. So picture in your mind, Jonah is crumbling. He's being crushed with him. And in this moment, as his soul's fainting, it would seem that all hope is absolutely lost. It would seem it was all over for him when his soul fainted within him. But as Jonah was enduring this pain, enduring this great pressure, enduring this intense time, he had a memory. He remembered something. He remembered what had happened. He, rather, he remembered someone. He remembered, verse number seven, the Lord. He remembered the Lord. And uh, what memory, though, of the Lord did he recall? That's the question I had. No doubt he had many things he could think about God with and uh, his time as he was serving, serving there in the northern kingdom, and the time he was a prophet there and helping people, serving under the king. Uh, no doubt those times when God did a great work in the, in the kingdom and, and in his life. He could think about those moments, answered prayer, sure, all of that. But what specifically did he think, think about? Let me ask you, could it be that as Jonah was in the midst and the belly of this well, could it be that Jonah was thinking back to the exact place he left the Lord? Look at verse number four with me. Then I said, I, will ca- I, was, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy, what's the last word? Temple. All right, look at verse number seven. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy, what's the last word? Temple. So could it be that Jonah was in the temple, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Could it have been he was there in the temple when God spoke to him, and yet it was at that moment in the temple after God spoke to him, he fled from the presence of the Lord. And yet now he was remembering the temple. Now he was remembering his rebellion. He was remembering God's call on his life. He was remembering, listen, he is remembering the very last place he was in God's presence, which by the way, was the very thing he was trying to run from. I like what one preacher said about this moment. He said, Jonah got what he wanted and found out it was the last thing he needed. (laughs) He wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord, but he found out that's not what I really want. Actually, you know what? I desire the presence of God. He got what he wanted, but he found that's the last thing he needed. So could it be that Jonah, in his remembering, he's remembering the last time he was in the very presence of God and he cast himself at the mercy and goodness of the Lord. And this remembering the Lord brings him back, brings him back to God. This uh, instance in this, Uh, And Jonah's life is very familiar to me of another instance found in the New Testament. And it's the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 20. Let me read it to you. The Bible says, and he said, a certain certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine had eaten. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, meaning when he came to himself, he remembered something. He remembered something. He remembered His father, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and no more worthy be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Understand this prodigal was in the lowest moment of his life, but it was a memory that brought him back. Is a memory of the kindness and goodness of his father that rang louder in his heart, in the, in the heart of his prodigal, in the, in the midst of this noise of rebellion he was in. The goodness of God, the goodness of his father rang in his heart, and it brought him to himself, and it brought him back to the father. The same with Jonah. The same with Jonah. The memory of the Lord, his goodness, his mercy, his presence, that memory brought him to himself and brought him back to the Lord. Jonah remembered the presence of God. How precious, how sweet, how good, how peaceful that really, really is. I want to ask you, dear Christian, this morning, do you remember that time? Have you had that moment in that time with God where you just knew that you were in the conscious presence of the Lord and everything was just so tender and sweet and so good? It may have leaked out of your eyes a little bit, but you just know you were with, with the Lord. Those are precious moments, are they not? So tender. When was the last time you had that moment with God? Do you remember? Let me ask you this question. Maybe you're here as a believer and you know you're just out of the fellowship with the Lord. Let me ask you this. Where was the last time you, uh, where, where's the last place you left him? And when, when we say that, when, when's the last place you left the Lord, we're not talking about how you had misplaced your keys. We're not talking about where'd you misplace the Lord. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. Really what we're saying is, where's the last time uh, you said no to him? That you know you willingly disobeyed God. Where's that last place you left him that's what we're talking about because listen he's still there waiting for you just as he was waiting for jonah to be to remember him and to return to the lord in obedience so where's that last place you left him then return to that last place so in this moment in this testimony i see that jonah he is talking about god's uh, response to him And he's talking about the time he finally remembered the Lord. And number three, I see this. Not only Jonah's remembrance, but Jonah's regret. It would seem, as Jonah is giving his testimony here, that he had some regrets in his life. Look at verse number eight. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own way. Now, I don't think necessarily... He is talking about the lying vanities, as some commentators may say, that he's talking about the um, sailors who were, had false idols or false, uh, false idols that way. I don't think necessarily he's talking about that. I think he's talking about himself. Again, I believe it's a testimony of what he has done, because remember, he lied. <laughs> he lied to the sailors, he lied to God, he lied too, you know. But these lying vanities, it could also, can, I get the picture of an empty pursuit too, right? Because that's what, that's what a false idol worship would be. It's a false pursuit or an empty pursuit. Because definitely at this moment, John was in an empty pursuit trying to run from God, trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. He was lying to himself, thinking he could rebel against God and get away with it. He could disobey God and get away with it, thinking he can get out of the presence of God where God couldn't see him. Come on, there's no way. God sees everything. His eyes on the just on the unjust. He sees the good and he sees the evil. He sees it all. So it's a foolish, empty thought to think that we could get away from God. And no doubt, this was a, a, a lying vanity on his part. And I believe he regretted that decision to run from God. understand a life of a believer who knowingly and willingly runs from God, rebels against God. Listen, please know this. There is going to be a lot of regrets And you will look back at your life one day and say, man, that was really dumb. That was really foolish. What was I thinking? Anybody ever had that thought before? All four of us. I'm glad you all are here. Uh, Me too. I've had several of those. What was I thinking? Man, that was dumb. I wish I'd never done that. I really wish I'd obeyed God more in this area of my life than I have. I wish, I wish, listen, we could, we could all do that. You know, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ as believers, we will never say things like this. I wish I didn't do as much for Jesus. <laughs> I just wish I wasn't as faithful as I was. You'll never say that. I wish I didn't give as much. wish I kept back more for myself. You'll never say stuff like that. But I think the opposite will be true. I think there'll be some regrets And folks think to themselves, I wish I'd given more. I wish I'd served more. I wish I'd obeyed God more fully in this area of my life. I wish I'd just been simply faithful. I wish, and you can fill in the blank, right? Life does have regrets from time to time, absolutely. There's plenty of lying vanities, plenty of regrets in life. But listen, serving God and obeying Him will never be one of them, ever. So get to it. Obey Him. Serve Him. Live for Him. You will never, ever regret that. Young people in here, listen. I know the world says, go do this and this and the other thing for yourself. Live for yourself. That is an empty life. Empty. But a life that's lived for the Lord is a full life. There's no telling what you could possibly do to help someone else. As you live for the Lord, even as a young person. Hey, listen, I'm thankful that there was a sold-out teenager on my football team who decided to live for Jesus, yes, even playing football in high school. Invited me to church, heard the gospel, and got saved. I'm standing before you as your pastor because a teenager was sold out to God and decided to live for the Lord and be a witness. So be one. Live for the Lord. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret those moments. So I see in this testimony that Jonah, he had a regret, no doubt, running from God. You're going to regret it every time. But lastly, I see this quickly. And Jonah's testimony is this, Jonah's repentance. Look at verse number nine. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry dry land. Understand Jonah finally got right with the Lord, at least for a short time. (laughs) He finally turned back to God. Jonah finally did this. He finally said, yes, sir. He finally said, I will obey. I will do what you've asked of me. Yes, sir. I will. Understand Jonah in this moment, he finally repented. Now, Sometimes people get it mixed up with the word repent. They think it's a bad word. They think it has uh, bad connotations to it. Just so judgy, you know. (laughs) Repent's a great word. It's a Bible word. And I believe it's a very gracious word. That God would allow us space, opportunity, time to to repent. You see, the word repent simply means a change of mind that results in a change of mind. Of action. And that's exactly what happened with Jonah here. He changed his mind by what he was doing, about his way and what God has said, changed his mind, which resulted in a change of action. He went from, I will not go to Nineveh, to, yes, sir, I will go. I will pay. I will obey. I will pay that I have vowed. He went from, I will not to, I will. So repentance is a good word. It's as simple simple as a change of mind that results in a change of action. That's true repentance. True repentance. You see, when I got saved, before I got saved, I was an unbeliever. I didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But once I heard the gospel of his death, burial, and resurrection for me, and if I call upon him, he would save me, I believed that message which resulted in an action of this calling upon the Lord to save me, you see. Repentance is a good word. It's a 180 that changes your actions. That's true repentance. It's as simple as I can put it. That's it. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. Listen, you need to repent of your unbelief. You need to trust Him and call upon Him. And maybe here you do know Jesus as your Savior and listen, but you're not, you're not in fellowship with him. You're not walking with him as you should. You're not obeying him. You, you know it. Physically, yeah, you're at church, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you're checked out somewhere else. Listen, then change your mind on that. Repent, obey the Lord, and let it change your actions. Repent is a great, great word. And that is something that Jonah never regretted. I guarantee it. But in this moment, he went from, I'm not going to, to yes, finally he did. And it took a lot lot to get to that point. God had to work in his life. He had to go through a lot of affliction. He had to go through a lot of pain and other things. For three days, finally, after three days and three nights in that affliction, he said, I will cry unto the Lord. I will pray. I will return to God and I will obey him. That's his testimony. Testimony of a prodigal prophet, of God's response to him, Jonah's remembrance of the Lord, Jonah's regrets he had, no doubt, but also of his, of his repentance. And I believe this testimony, I believe this testimony is a testimony of a, of a warning, really, to a potential prodigal. It's a testimony to a potential prodigal. Don't go the way of Jonah and running from God. Don't do it. Rather, obey him. I believe it's a testimony of grace, if you have run from God, to return to him. Because listen, Jonah came back and you can too. And there are many others who, who know Jesus as their savior, have run from him in their life, but have returned. And they too are a trophy of grace as they repented, came back and followed God. Listen, you can do the same. And it's a testimony of second chances, which we'll get to next Sunday as we look at chapter number 3. As God graciously gives Jonah another opportunity, he does the same for us. But let this testimony be a help to you today. Let this testimony be an encouragement to you today. And let it be a warning. If you're away from God, come back. If you have a tendency at this moment, you're you're thinking, this is not for me, I'm going to run from God, let it be a warning, don't do it. God knows how to get our attention. Stay close to him. You'll never regret it. Serving and following the Lord with your life. This is a testimony we can see.